Top 5 Network Design Principles with Darren Fowell, Episode 67. Welcome back, my friends, nerds, geeks, and ziglets out there. We have another episode of the Zigbits Network Design Podcast, where zigabytes are faster than gigabytes. As always, we strive to provide real-world context around technology. I'm Zig, and I'm your host today. Uh, today, I am joined by my good friend, Darren Fulwell, another fellow CCDE, and we're here to talk about the top five network design principles um, from an architectural perspective. So again, I don't like to do these intros too long, so I'm just going to say, hey, Darren, how are you doing today? Welcome to the show. Yeah, really good, Zig, really good. Um, it's horribly early in the morning for you, I know <laughs> that, so uh, hopefully we won't get too complicated too quickly. We'll see how we go. With oh, this. I'm fired up, man. I got my coffee. I had a bagel. Excellent. You know, I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm actually getting a little warm. I have to take the sweatshirt off, but no, I'm ready to go. Let's do this. <laughs> so, uh, I, I mean, I, you've seen the, the blog post um, that, that this originated from. It's quite, quite, quite a while back I wrote this thing, and as you say, it, it what we want to do here is approach um, network design from from an architectural perspective. And the th the thing that that always troubles me is when when you get into these design conversations, often people get buried in the weeds, right? You, you start looking at the the detail yeah. and and whatever. And what I'm wanting to do here is take a step back a little bit and think about this as a, a bigger, higher level, um, really, than than uh, you would normally do that. But uh, I'm jumping ahead here. So, uh, <laughs> no, no, this is I'll, good. I'll this is, go for it. Yeah, this is good. So real quick, I'm going to put you on the spot and I'll let everyone know, as always, this is not really scripted. We have like five bullet points on the outline. Like no, no, no joke, five bullet points in the outline. And one of those happens Absolutely. to be Darren's uh, uh, blog post on this. We'll put that in the show notes too. So you have that as a reference. So Darren, I'm going to throw this question out at you um, because we're talking about architecture. We're talking about design. Um, yeah. What's the difference between design and architecture in your eyes? It's, I think I think the point is that design is the process, right? And architecture is that is that sort of that big picture view of what you're trying to achieve. I think the point is that that and 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 we're seeing this with the with the new bunch of, of Cisco certs, right? That that they they're drilling down into bringing into design um, into the normal certification process, but that's low level design. That's understanding how how things hang together in order to, to produce an outcome. What we're looking at here is something bigger than that because what, what we're trying to do here is put networks together that are actually um, supporting business process and, and, and being able to, to show, right, here are a bunch of principles that we want to adhere to that allow us to deliver a business outcome, right? And that, and for me, that's where architecture comes in because it's, this isn't just about understanding how networks work. This isn't just understanding about how networks are, are, are bolted together to make packets flow from one point to another. This is understanding why those packets need to go from one point to another in terms of the, the services that we deliver over the top of it, and then understanding why those services need to be built that way in order to support the business process. And that's the thing, you know, that, that's why we're taking this up a level. Oh, that's good. That's good. So uh, I like to try to summarize this, and you can let me know if this is an accurate go statement, right? Um, or, as we're bridging the gap between the business side and the technology side, right? Like that's exactly that. And everything comes back to the business, right? We make, we don't make any design decisions or architectural decisions without going back to the business and making sure that, yep, this is a business priority requirement driver, whatever business language you want to leverage. And you can just, you have a mapping process to say, yep, I made this specific decision, be it a design decision, architectural decision, whatever it is, because of this business, you know, situation. Exactly that. Exactly that. I mean, hey, I, I know the, the temptation is to take this back to the CCDE process because that's 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 where we got to know each other. That's <laughs> yes, where right. you know where 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 the, 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 that sort of community has sprung up from. But, we were in the trenches, you know. So yeah, absolutely right. But but the point is that that as you go through that process, this is what crystallizes in your mind, and this is where that that mindset comes from because it's about understanding that you can't do build networks in isolation yeah. you have to understand what what services you're running over the top but but the even that isn't enough because those services wouldn't be there unless there was a business requirement for them and there were constraints that the business placed on what couldn't couldn't be done and i think all of that stuff becomes hugely important when you're talking about some of these things that we're going to talk about in a second 
No, that's great. That's a great perspective. All right. So let's drive in, right? Drive in. Let's dive in. There we go. Let's work on the wording, right? Um, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll make that excuse as it's early morning. Um, actually, before we dive in real quick, so, so some of the people that yeah, may sure. not know you, can you give a quick 30-second like, you know, intro overview of who you are, what you do, all those kind of things? Sure. Yeah, of course. Sorry. Yes. So, um, Darren Forward, I'm, uh, wow, um, 20... <laughs> years in doing this networking stuff well that was five years right i heard five years well it's probably closer to 30 now but uh, but that's a whole different story um yeah i mean i've i've been uh, a network engineer consultant architect pretty much every every sort of job title going i've worked for uh, little companies big companies um vars again whoever has a network I've, I've probably seen one of them those types of networks over, over the years and and really sort of uh, settled into into a design role architecture type role i suppose in in recent years until i discovered network automation and the and the, and the new way of doing stuff and all of a sudden i now find myself as a as a network automation evangelist no less um which is just the most incredible job title um working for a, a software vendor um, out of the, the Czech Republic called IP Fabric, um, doing awesome stuff in, in automation and intent-based networking, which is, uh, again, I think a good topic for another another conversation sometimes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I've been wanting to reach out to you actually uh, on that topic and just to have a chat and, and see what it's all about. I'm very um, unaware or what's the word again? Not, not, not just naive. Um, there's another word I can't think of on the fly here, um, but I just don't know what IP Fabric is and what you guys are doing. And you know, I think it'd be beneficial, at least for my understanding, of knowing what you guys are doing. Um, yeah, we'll definitely you know. have that conversation for sure. So we, no, I've, I've been I've been really lucky this year. I managed to get to present at Network Field Day as a result of doing this, and that's oh. just like a that's a bucket list one ticked off right there. So um, I, hey, I can send you the video. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Um, so I was supposed to go to Network Field Day, and then I joined Cisco, and then I couldn't go. So that was you know, <laughs> a totally different conversation there um congrats on being able to you know present network field it's a pretty big deal you. you know so um you. no i figured you know some people may not know you that you were on the show um on episode 36 we did a design wow, yeah. case study back then so if anyone wants to go review that you know legacy historical episode from years <laughs> ago um that was a uh, zigbits.tech slash 36 and uh, darren and i talked about uh, design case study. We had campus. We had data center. We had UCS servers. <laughs> I'm just reading the show notes real quick because I don't remember. We had this by all order. kinds of stuff. We had OTV, OTV, internet routing, yeah. failover, uh, security. Fantastic. So it was a pretty good situation. Now I will say we never came back to that. That was supposed to be a multi-part thing. We only did part one. So maybe we need to re re. Uh, revive that i, think, I don't know i what think what think? would be good actually would be to go back and look at it and see if we do things any different because that was quite some time ago and, it was uh, yeah. it was let's let's add yeah. that as a follow-up for sure so <laughs> i'm putting you on the spot of course i'm kind of like no good, okay. yeah all right so back to our topic i know I, that was mm. a little off topic but i wanted to make sure people knew who you were and knew how to reach out to you all that kind of stuff all right so so the top five ish or say ish Network design <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> principles uh, for a, a, yeah. from a network architecture perspective. Let's do this. Number one. What okay, is that well, number one? So, so, um, um, so uh, you've got to bear in mind these these five are not ones that have come from a um, from a think tank. They're not ones that that people you know people uh, the vendors have sat down and worked out for us, and they're nothing to do with certification programs. This is purely down to things that I've arrived at that I always make sure that when I'm doing a network design, I, I tick off each of these boxes but these are higher so level the, right than the certification these are process level. yeah right? yeah like, this is like, and this is why this is this is why it, this is important actually. and i want to i want to just really call this out right so we're not diminishing the ccde we're not diminishing design no. but this is a higher level than that process currently this is really um no level no, no level no low level designs we're not talking about like you know what ports we're plugging things in or what ip addresses no. we're using or what you know protocols specifically algorithms we're running we're talking about a lot higher of a level of design and architecture here exactly that so so really um it's it's about under again as we've said understanding business process pro business um requirements and constraints and bringing those to play in in the network and so so the first one and really the first one you could argue is the only one okay is is availability right so this is about when it boils down to it what's a network for a network is there to underpin all of a, a, a company's IT process, right? It's all, everything sits on the network. Everything's interconnected. 
without that network, those things stop working, right? It's, it's that simple. Yeah. Now, obviously, so this, so this is why availability is an important thing. But availability can vary, right? That, that requirement for network availability can vary depending on what people are running over the top of it. And so really, it's about understanding what the, what the, the systems are that sit on top of the network and understanding what the processes are that the business needs those systems for. I'll give you an example. One of, uh, one of my customers in, in, in a previous existence was a manufacturer. They made things in factories, um, and they carried a load of stock. And that stock was stored in warehouses, which were somewhere other than where the factories were. They had big central warehouses, lots of factories around the, uh, around the country, and they, all, um, they had to ship stuff from their through a distribution network from their, from their warehouses to, their, to their, uh, their factories. In order for those factories to function, they needed the, uh, the the parts to be delivered. In order for those parts to be delivered, they needed to be picked at the warehouse and put on trucks to, to be sent out. Now, in the warehouses, they had a wireless network. And on that wireless network would sit the headsets that people would use to, to do the picking and the truck mount um, computers that they had to, to make sure that they knew where all the orders were, where all the bits were for the orders and how to assemble those things. Now, if, the, if something went wrong there, the headsets started beeping, right? And as soon as those headsets started beeping, people stopped because they couldn't do anything. They weren't getting the instructions to know where they needed to go in the uh, in the warehouse to pick stuff up. And so everything stopped. So that meant that the picking stopped. It meant the packing stopped. It meant the distribution stopped. And if it was bad enough, it meant that the factory stopped. Well, and you can imagine... <laughs> The, the cumulative cost of something like that, right? Massive. And that's down to the availability of the systems for the people to use in the warehouse. Now, that could be anything as simple as there's a, a switch has gone pop in the, uh, in the warehouse, or it could be a, an, an access point has, has stopped working, or it can be that there's, a, there's a, a firmware update been pushed out to the headsets that have made them all go or it could mean the WAN has gone from the from the um, the warehouse, or it could mean that there's a problem at the data center, etc., etc., etc. You've got all of that cumulative effect to bear in mind when you're looking at, at, at the availability of those systems. So you can't just go, oh, I'll put in some resilience into the network and it will fix that problem, because no, it won't. There's a whole load of other things that you have to bear in mind and take into account. So when you're talking about HA, when you're talking about clustering, when you're talking about fast failover and all of those things, they're great, but they're only part of the, the solution. It's an overall yeah. like, equation, right? Yeah. You know, it's, it's exactly not- that. I mean, in, in, in my eyes, because we always get this thing of going, oh, is, is the network resilient? Are there single points of failure and, and blah, blah, blah. Yes, those things are really, really, really important. And yes, fast failover and, and all that sort of good stuff is really key. But without resilience elsewhere in the IT infrastructure, it's almost pointless spending money on those things. Yep. You've got to look at it as the big picture. And that was that's really what availability is about. It's about understanding the part that the network plays in that big picture of availability of systems. So I like to Does summarize. That, make sense? that makes perfect sense, right? And I have a couple questions cool. and a couple, you know, just cool. to throw yeah, things yeah. at you, right? Um, so I like to summarize that you know availability is really the whole point of getting um, data from point A to point B, um, in whatever fashion that looks like. And, and you can add some more criteria there, right? Get that data from point A to point B in the right time and the right quality, um, and avail- you know, not just availability, but um, you know, the, the CIA triangle is what they call it for CISSP. So like confidentiality, integrity, availability. Um, but really it's that data has to get to the right destination, wherever that is and the right time. So it can actually be leveraged appropriately. Um, yeah. and so everything else that goes into that, right. If you're doing fast failover, if you're doing uh, loop free alternate, if you're doing sub second failover or whatever, t- you know, solution from a technical perspective, you're leveraging the whole point is to get that data to the right place and know that it's accurate data, and it can be leveraged appropriately by whatever that device or resource is trying to leverage it. Yeah, it's, it's the reliability thing, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. But, but, 
but but it's almost it's almost bigger than that because because again it, it becomes a sort of story of well there's a level of reliability you need to deliver a particular service you might not actually need as much reliability as you think you need exactly. yes if if the if the system that sits on top is engineered properly so so that that's the key is understanding how much you need to spend how much you need to to engineer into the network to support the level of availability that you're looking for. That's the key for me. So so I have a couple of terms I want to throw at you and see what you think about yeah. these. There's some of these things are like me, like I, I've been terminizing these things. So one thing is that unstated requirements, it's just a term I've been using since I've been presenting mm-hmm. uh, a couple of years now, unstated, unstated requirements. And I think availability kind of falls in that. Not, not every level of availability, but I think a lot of the lower levels, lower level means might be the right thing. Um, so like single points of failure might be something yeah. that's unstated um, as an yeah. example, right? So just to be clear. So what I mean by that is a lot of customers and businesses today, they don't come out and say that they need to have, you know, no single points of failure. Uh, they just assume it. They, it's an unstated requirement now. Like they need yeah. the reliability. They need the resiliency. They need the availability. Now they may not need sub-second whatever, right? But they need to make sure that their application stays up or else they don't make money. Sure. Think of all sure. the SaaS companies, right? Software as a service providers. Yeah. Or even yeah. a better example, maybe Netflix, right? Netflix. If Netflix isn't online and I can't consume it, well, I'm going to call Netflix and be like, hey, I don't want your service anymore. You know, there's going to be some sort of like process there go ahead but uh, yeah i was gonna say t- t- i was gonna say not quite turn it on its head but but flip that around the other way a little and think right well if the consumer can't reach netflix for some reason let's say there's an isp problem in a particular area that affects how the consumer looks at netflix as a service because they can't get to it mm-hmm. but it's not, not netflix's fault true, for the true. service they're provided yes. so it's so it's as much about understanding right actually we we need to be able to accommodate as much as possible issues that are i guess out of our control or at least at the outer edges of our control and it's it's things like that you know that fundamentally what it boils down to is and and we've all been there we've all done this where we've implemented a project for a um for a for an employer you've you've done the best job you can everything looks fantastic something goes wrong that's out of your control and everyone goes oh god this network's crap (laughs) <laughs> and it's nothing to do with the fact that the, net, the network is absolutely perfectly yeah. fine. It's the service that's been provided. It's, at the it's top. always the network's again, fault. Like right, <laughs> right. But the but I suppose this is this is the key part of the, this point for availability in my eyes is it's 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 fault, and you need to be able as a network uh, architect, you need to be able to understand a the part the network plays, but b how you can. Um, how you can help it make it better for everybody, mm-hmm. right? Not just not just you as the network guy. So I always like to say when we're trying to solve for availability, which I think it kind of all includes like the res- uh, reliability and resiliency and all those other things are yep. kind of in def- that that def- you know def- right that def- bucket. Absolutely part of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Def- um, and I always tell people like you need to you need to associate or not associate. You need to evaluate your failure situations. Like you need to go through that process and say, okay, what happens when yep. this fails? And what's my what's my success state, right? If, if something failed, a link failed, a device failed, an application failed, if there's a criticality level that that, that resource, let's call it all resources, um, that resource has to maintain a certain availability, well, what is that failure state where something's down and then how do you know it's going to be up, right? What is that? What is your intended success after yeah. that failure, failure? And so I tell people to go through that process. I think it makes sense. I think it, it is a process to go through. It's easier when you're doing single points of failure versus dual points of failure. Uh, I did, I did a, a, I think a, an episode a little while ago on dual points of failure, and really you need to you need to write those down. It can get extremely yeah. complicated, extremely fast. Uh, single points of failure. A lot of people kind of already know that. You can easily say, "Hey, I have one router. I need two. You know, I have one server. I need two. But when you start yeah. to do dual points of failure, it gets a little complicated because you don't know what other. Um, two devices or two links or whatever are relying on the other. And so you actually have to like draw, document that out, delete, not delete, but you know, X out one of your redundant devices or de- redundant paths and be like, okay, what happens here? Or what yeah. do you expect to happen? Right. And that was my, my tangent on that. Um, so, so yeah, no, I think, I think you're right. All of those things, all of those things feed into availability. Absolutely. So, so one last question on availability, uh, unless we mm-hmm. detail into anything else. Um, you know, how do you how do you go about assessing the level of availability today? And maybe that's a a hard question that's, to ask, right? But there's a process. It, it I think. is. 
Yeah, and and there is there is I guess I've got um, another one of the principles um, kind of kind of covers that a little bit, but but really it's 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 measuring availability isn't about measuring uptime of devices or measuring uh, having monitoring on all your links to show which ones are up or which ones are down. I, I love I know you know the 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 monitoring platforms I shan't name them, but they all love their their dashboards where they've got. Um, you know, the 99.9% availability and stuff and all the rest of it. That isn't availability of your network. Just be really, really clear about that. Um, you know, it's, it's much more of an abstract thing. But the, the key measurement of all of this is the availability of the, the, the applications and the services that run yeah. over the top. That's What's what consumable? you've got to measure. What are you consuming, it's, right? Exactly, exactly. Because without without measuring that thing, you don't know what impact things are having on 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 those services, so you've got to to find a way of measuring those. And there's loads of, I mean, loads of capability these days around looking at uh, you know monitoring flows and and thinking about uh, you know sort of having uh, uh, artificial probes in the network that that could be application probes that can make sure that you're seeing the the applications that you're trying to get to from the points you're trying to get to them from but that that sort of measurement becomes really really important i think so is it easy, like I said, is it easier these days with software defined solutions and not to get like in the weeds of every <laughs> software defined solution but is it easier to instantiate availability from an application perspective in I, th- solutions I think today? the point i think the beauty of a software defined and particularly you know software defined one if we're talking about specifically um is that they are much more application aware, yeah. right? So the, the the devices themselves are built that way because part of the the, the part of the, the service they're trying to give is the ability to steer traffic based on application through the, the, the appropriate transport. So inevitably you've got a better visibility. This this comes back to what we were talking about before there with with that, with the earlier episode, I suppose that, that, that at that time when we did that stuff um the the designs that we'd come up with look very different to what you might do today because we've got a whole load of extra stuff in our toolkit oh, yeah. that we didn't have before well, it's like but a I time capsule right, I think, right? <laughs> like it's like a time capsule <laughs> you just go pick episode 36 Absolutely. up it's like hey this was done in this year and this is how things were back then you know exactly <laughs> exactly that so but but you know sdn and and all of the other visibility tooling and everything that we now have um, you know, it has to be brought in, brought to bear because things have moved on. We're not, we're not just about links being up and down and routers running hot anymore. You know, that monitoring is is what it what it it's important, but it's not it's not going to measure you your application experience. Yeah, I feel like uh, w- with those solutions, not to be vendor specific, but just SDN in general, um, mm-hmm. software defined networking or software defined infrastructure, probably a better terminology. Um, because software networking is networking specific, right? Networking in title. Mm-hmm. Infrastructure is everything, right? It cannot, it's not just networking. It could be servers yeah. and applications and, and cloud, all those things. Um, I feel like things are a little bit simpler from an implementation perspective. Um, you're no longer in the command line doing these things and you know doing sub-second failover configuration or OSPF or whatever protocols, right? Not to get all the weeds and the weeds. You're not no longer doing that. You're You're at a higher level. Now you have to understand what you're doing. So there's, so I want to make it clear, like you don't, you don't walk, you don't, you don't need to know less. You still need to know the technology and the implications of what you're doing, but now it's just easier to do because you're clicking buttons in the GUI, et cetera. Yeah. Unless I'm wrong. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I hear what you're saying. I mean, in terms of actually delivering this stuff, it's, yeah. it's um, more straightforward, I suppose, because you're, you're centralizing a lot of what you're doing rather than having to go and individually create configs yes, on exactly. each yes. each device well, and, and blah blah blah. Some of these solutions are sort of templated policy based. Exactly. Kind of there you go. The yeah. I was just thinking like some of these solutions you can click like a VPN button, right? You, you click yeah. the VPN button and now the VPNs are fully meshed across whatever, right? Or you yeah, click yeah, like yeah. the layer two trunk, right? And now there's a layer two trunk between two interfaces and, and before the, it would take five minutes to configure a trunk, right? So of course, the problem the problem with those things is how good the, the software. Yes, yes, it's all software based. Where, where, Where's the when, bugs? When you've got software quality issues, you, then you need to start th- thinking about right. Well, how the blooming do I fix that if it does go wrong? But yes. that's a whole different story. Well, some of those solutions they get pushed out, and I'm not going to call out vendors as always, right? But some of those so software defined infrastructure solutions get pushed out, and you know there's 60 percent bugs, right? Like, hmm. and, and they're, oh, they're yeah, features, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're new features, well, right? 
Well, we we're you know customer equals beta tester, right? That's, yeah, that's exactly. Kind of, that's, that's kind of an norm. accepted approach these days. It's so. the new norm. I'm not saying I agree with that. I don't, but that's no, the new norm, no. right? <laughs> hey, let's let's move over to scalability. Yeah. That's our next yeah, one, so, right? Well, well, scalability is an interesting one because because people normally go, oh, scalability that that just means right that that you can push more bandwidth through it, or you can uh, you know subtle upgrades mean that you can you can you can increase capacity and that sort of thing and yeah obviously that that stuff is important you know we we are pushing 100 gig links in our data centers now where where again that that episode that we were looking at the other day that 10 gig was like new and shiny then right yeah. so so you know we are increasing exponentially the, the amount of bandwidth that we're needing all the time right that that doesn't change but that's not the be all and end all here right because because obviously you've got to 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 be concerned about the fact that it may not be more bandwidth you need, or it may, you may need that, but you may need more capacity in terms of actual physical network, or it may be that you need less capacity physically, but more um, into virtual platforms, or you might need to have it in more locations, or you might need to be able to incorporate other um, uh, other other um, locations into your network, like uh, you might need to bring cloud in, you might need to bring other things in. So scalability isn't just about making it bigger or smaller, mm-hmm. right? And and I think this was what I was trying to get get to with this is that what you're really talking about is building network topologies that are able to be grown and shrunk. Because let's face it, we you know this year bloody great example oh, yes. of where of where we've had to shrink networks, right? Because People are no longer, you know, having the size of offices and, and they won't do from this point onwards. So now we're having to think about, right, well, actually, if you had to grow this remote access capability, but you're going to be shrinking your your, your sort of campus um, environments or, or, or even, you know, getting rid of oh, yes. um, office buildings or whatever, right? So a lot of so companies are getting rid of them, right? You want, that, you want that network to stay as a consistent whole. You don't want to be able to. You don't want to have to break it up or whatever in order to to offload bits of it, or to bring in new bits, right? And so it's all about that modular, scalable design, um, that whole thing of of making sure that if you want something new added to the network, you can just bolt it on without impacting everything else, right? That that yeah that yeah. Sort, what's the that, that, that impact, whole right? that whole process? Right? What's the impact and what's the the failure um, domain? Um, those are the yeah. terms that I like to use. What's the failure domain? Yeah. What's your, you know, is something? What's your uh, implications of failure too? If you're um, adding that technology or you're adding that solution or that new capability, you know, how is it going to potentially create or inherent or uh, affect your current failure state or failure domain? And then how can you ensure that there's a, a kind of de- delineation um, between the different areas and, and whatnot? So uh, completely. So so that provision of a service. Um, you want to be able to, to, and again, this isn't just network infrastructure. Exactly. Right? This is about, because now you've got to think about, well, actually, what happens if I want to introduce a new service into the network that isn't actually related to anything else? So you want segmentation, let's say, but you still want to deliver it to the same locations you've got an existing service. So, so you're not just talking about physical scalability, you're talking logical scalability as well. You're, you're basically saying, I can have segmentation end-to-end from my user to my data center without it touching a different another service and they they're that fault domain thing that you just just mentioned there that's sort of the blast radius right yeah if, blast if something radius. goes wrong uh, you, you, you're minimizing that both physically and logically and i think that those two you know again the logical stuff has, has been kind of missing a little bit because we've not really had the tools and the toolkit to be able to deliver that from user to to um, to workload, I think, and I think now we have that capability. Time to use it. Time so, to use so it. So I, 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 I'm sorry, I cut you off. I didn't mean to. No, go 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 go. So, um, can you give an example of what, as an architect or designer, whatever wording we want to leverage here, of how you would go about? Um, making something scalable, right? And I'm not saying like technology-wise. If you want to use an example, by all means, you can pick a technology, use the example. But like, I think, I think that there's some terminology that you use. You use modular. Mm-hmm. Uh, I use fault domain, right? Sure. We know these terms, right? I think yeah, give yeah, me yeah. a quick example of how yeah. we would go about making something scalable. Sure, sure. So, so something like um, 
adding, adding a new um, uh, adding a new chunk to your network. Let's just say, for example, you're you have a network. You've got a you you um, have an office space. You have some office space in a building, and you're adding a new floor into that office space or whatever. Whatever you've you've just you you the number of staff you've got in a particular location's gone up. You need to increase your increase your footprint. So so what you're doing there is you're you're taking what you've already got. And you, you've got a, a um, if, if you've built a modular design, what you have is a template for your, for your network, that, for that space. You have, you have it built in such a way that it forms a block that's um, in its own right. So you're able to replicate that block into the new location. It's isolated and separated to, to physically. Um, so if something goes wrong, it only goes wrong within that space. You can introduce it into uh, into the wider network because again it forms a it's effectively a separate network in its own right, and then you just put uh, make ensure that, that the point of interface into the wider network you've got the right controls in place to be able to to introduce it with the minimal impact, and also if you need to um, cut it off with the minimum impact. But you make sure there are no dependencies between that block. And another blo- any other blocks in the network. So th- that's where the modularity and, and the block um, process comes in. No, that's great. I, I think that just helps showing an example, right? I was thinking as a listener, if I'm listening, I'm like, what, is, what are they talking it's, about? What's a fault domain? What's you yeah? Know? So I mean, I like, it's always interesting without a diagram, right? With yeah, something exactly. like that. But 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 the point the point being that what you should be looking for is to isolate, um, ensure that if a fault occurs or uh, um, or or you're making a change. That the impact is um, and the um, what's the word I'm looking for? The influence, I suppose, over over the wider network is is as limited as possible. Yeah. So, so this would... is where you start using summarization in your IP exactly. addressing schemes. You start using um, physical aggregation um, to to separate different areas of the network. All of that sort of good stuff, so that you've got control points. Where you can um, you can ensure that that the if something goes wrong in one part of the network, it's not going to impact others. It's like a fault isolation. I think that's a term I like to use. Fault, fault isolation. isolation. There it is. Right. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah. Um, traditionally for me, it's always like layer three fault isolations for the most part. Hmm. Um, no spanning a layer two. Right. Um, I was going <laughs> to so, say that that sounds like the voice of experience. Yes. There, it's like it's like yeah, layer two. Is a dangerous thing to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to have to have spread everywhere. Therefore, I got, I got it off as totally, totally real life use case here. I got uh, I was uh, hired onto a company, and they had two data centers uh, geographically separated, and they were spanning layer two between them. Um, and we had actual large outages because we had loops, um, broadcast storms throughout the data centers, um, and then they also are running like. Um, like a trill, well, Faber path, but you know, uh, okay, across yeah. the data centers too. And there's a whole bunch of issues with how they were doing it. So it was, it was pretty interesting. Um, definitely got my, my, uh, um, bumps and scars and bruises, uh, from that experience and bringing down the network because it wasn't, you know, it just wasn't designed pro- appropriately. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, definitely hurt on layer two. I'm a big fan that there is no, <laughs> there's no need for layer two, uh, um across that router or that switch um hey listen that's that's a topic that we could do an hour on just by itself right <laughs> well i will i will add that as a note and i will follow up with you because I think it's <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah. all right so for time let's just jump into security next because i think that was yeah good on- so so the next one the next one is security and and i've i've just realized these have all these all begin with a letter s apart from the first one i know which is would have been good to have had a, an s for the first it would have been five S's, right? Yeah, yeah, five, yeah, five S's, S's of, uh, uh, of yeah. network design maybe, or something. Maybe that's that's one for the future that I'm going to have to try and work. You're going to have to figure out a new um, word for availability. So the <laughs> the point with security is, and and it's a really straightforward one, really. I mean, I mean, we all know about building secure networks. We all all know about you know sort of having uh, perimeter environments, having you know firewalls. Whether you want to do a, a a single vendor or a dual vendor approach, all that sort of stuff. That's not what in a modern network that is not the be all and end all of security right the point here is well it's threefold as far as as far as i'm concerned one is that you need to make sure that your infrastructure itself is secure so you're talking about making sure that um you know things like console access web access cli gui whatever access to to stuff is secured so that so bad actors can't get on your kit um that 
stuff is patched and and you're doing vulnerability te- checks and all that sort of good stuff so that you're you're not running dodgy co- versions of code that with that are insecure um and that your your config is hardened on those you know so that you're you're making sure that that no one's going to get into or cause you a denial of service attack by being able to to attack your devices themselves and that the protocols they're running are secured, so you're authenticating your routing protocols and all of all of that sort of good stuff. So you've got a level of control of the actual inf- network infrastructure itself. Okay, so that's my first one. The second one is about access. It's about making sure that as you, you as people come into the network, that you're catching them, and that you know who it is and what it is that's connecting to your network. So w- whether you use um, simple port security to, to, to just limit the number of devices that are connecting to ports or whether you choose to use a, a complex uh, scenario like a, a .1x with um, authentication, with certificates, what, whatever it is, be aware of what is connecting to the network and be able to, to apply some level of policy about that. I mean, and, and and I know we mentioned said before we're not going vendor specific, but I've got to say, um, if you're doing anything with Cisco in the access network, use TrustSec. Please yep. use TrustSec because it's it solves those problems and gives you some flexibility and some some really interesting possibilities actually as to what you can and can't protect your your network from. Um, so that was just just that's that one's from. From experience, you yeah, know, yeah, exactly. Deploying networks for customers. Well, I'm a big fan of of NAC in general, so network access yeah. control and every aspect of it, AAA authentication, um, even like the word TrustSec, right? So, uh, and again, this is not a sponsored show. I don't do any sponsored show, so we're just talking from experience here in TrustSec. Sure. Yeah. Um, and I, we can even bring that back up to what are those capabilities, right? And there's a number of vendors that yep. have solutions that have those capabilities, but really the the key takeaway here is you need to authenticate your devices, authenticate your users, and associate proper control over what they're going to be doing in your environment. Exactly. Um, now I have a couple of things exactly that. I'm going to say, right? So security, when I, th- when I talk about security now, I don't, I actually don't think it as a, as a principle. I, I so I think it makes sense. And I, I was reading this obviously last night and this morning when we were talking about this and I'm like, you know, this is really good. I wasn't even, I was assuming security. Honestly, I was, I was, I always assumed security, but so, I never so- call it out. But that, but that in itself, that's that's the point of these principles in my mind, is that these are the background assumptions that, that before I even start looking at, at uh, asking the questions of the customer about about what the network needs to be, I'm already there thinking, I need to make sure that I, I understand what availability they need. I need to understand what they need in terms of security. I need to understand how scalable and and yep. those. That's the point of the principles. These aren't even. You know, they, they are the <laughs> fundamental pieces of information that you want, even before you start thinking about, you know, what pieces of kit you're going to use. That's that's the key. And and so you, you're right. You're thinking about it exactly the right way. That's, yeah, that's and that's how point. I think about it, right? And I, I would say I, I terminize this as pervasive security because it's not like yeah. in one place. It's not one one architecturally component, yeah, and, you know. And and what you want is is to be you know for every part of the network to contribute towards that as well. I mean the, the the point is that there are some really interesting capabilities these days in in switching infrastructure where you can extract information about what those devices that are connected to the switching is doing. You know, and so so use those capabilities because you know we, we hear other stories all the time, the data privacy stuff and mm-hmm. and all the rest of it, and nobody nobody wants that to happen. Right, so so use what capabilities are there. Think think about security as just being something, as you say, something that that's that has to be delivered, and you want to take every opportunity you can to deliver it. So use whatever you've got in at hand, and of course, you know you've got a. And I know people talk about there not being a perimeter in the network anymore. Yep. The, the kind of is, oh, yes. but it's kind of different shapes. And and what we're saying is in order to de- to deliver the security, if you've got security at every stage through your network, you're delivering a perimeter, right? But a perimeter is just a whole lot bigger and a whole lot more complex than it used to be. You're still yeah. going to need firewalls. You're still going to need IPS. You're still going to need all that sort of good stuff. But, um, you know, in reality, now you're going to need it in a lot more places. 
So, so there's a lot of conversations around what to do with security moving forward. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if we can dive into the, all of that here. Um, maybe that's another show that we could do. I was going to say, we're building up a nice backlog. We, of shows we, uh, you're going to see Darren a lot, I think, <laughs> in the near future. <laughs> here, we only did one show before, and you're going to see like, here's uh, 67, and then we'll have like 70, yes. 71, 72, 73. And <laughs> so, um, it's going to be dumb. So, so I just want to talk about what I've seen recently, right? So I mm. think I think what you said is perfect, right? Um, I do see a lot of customers that have that, that I would call it a legacy mindset on security where, hey, I have my perimeter, I have my firewalls, and I have this kind of like you're allowed or you're not allowed, right? And the highest yeah. level of uh, implementation or you know idea, you're either allowed or you're allowed. I call that like a turtle shell for analogy, right? So that is my turtle yeah. shell. It's a hardened shell. No one can get in. That's my perimeter. But then once they get in, well, now they have access to whatever they want, right? And and yeah. and a lot of the customers that I talked to over the years, um, they're like, yeah, that's that's a perfect fine, right? That's good. I'm like, yeah, but what happens if something gets in that you're not blocking? Or what happens if you have a compromised system, server, yeah. client, I mean, whatever, they, right? What happens to that west, east, east-west traffic? Uh, yeah. um, things are going to exponentially get, get infected or compromised or whatever. And you really do need a bigger security architecture framework within yeah. your environment. Um, completely you've ju- you've just described the the ransomware stuff yep. right there yep. haven't you i mean and that's the point is that that you can have that hardened shell but there are things that are going to get through it just accept there are things that are going to get through it and so then you do need to understand right okay how do i protect things from each other so and this is this this you know in in uh, in, in old speak that's segmentation right exactly. that's that's that thing of being able to say right okay this bit of the network is separate from that bit of the network and the only way you can get from this bit to that bit is through this firewall or whatever it is that you've you've got in place to make that happen now obviously we've got a lot more options available to us to do that now and again we've talked about we've talked about NAC and and about uh, you know a policy that we can deploy on the the campus network you've got the ability now uh, you know you look at software defined wan and effectively every edge point in the software defined wan is a firewall of some mm-hmm. description um, whether it's a whether it's a router with firewall capability or a firewall with router capability it doesn't really matter the it's, capabilities it's, are there you, you've right. got, yeah you've got a level of protection you can deploy there and of course you get into the data center you've got aci and you've got nsx or or whatever else with the ability to to do the micro segmentation there, so so the, the the point with all of this is understand what's on your network, understand what's right. Let's get this right. <laughs> understand what's trying to be on your network, understand what you want to allow on your network, and when it gets on your network, what do you want it to be able to do? That's that, the key. That um, is critical. What you just said, I think, is extremely critical because a lot of the organizations that I talk to, they don't know what they want to allow, they don't mm. know what good behavior is. So no. they have applications and, and services that have been there for years. And they're like, yeah, that application does, I think, this. And then you look at it and like that application has been talking to a different country for the last 10 years and you had no idea. Like, yeah. like you yeah. have to assess these things, lock them down accordingly, and then keep tracking it, right? But, I mean, in some ways that feeds back to the availability thing. Exactly. Because without, without understanding what your applications look like, you can't know what you're trying to achieve in terms of availability either so it's so it is that it is that sort of higher level understand what it is that you're trying to do with your network it's this it feeds into every one of these these steps right and um, and again you like you say looking at time i'm just going to drop into the next go one, ahead i was going to pin you in there too so which which is supportability and the reason why and again it's, it's these are all interrelated right but but the point with supportability is you want to be able to make sure that this network is going to be operable, that, 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 that you're in a position to be able to prove the things that we've just talked about, right? That your systems are available, that they're secure, that they're, you know, that they're scalable. You want to be able to prove that and you want to be able to be sure that, that it's not going to be a difficult thing to do. You yeah. want it to be as simple and as slick as possible. So this is, yes, it's around monitoring, and around access to the kit and all that sort of good stuff. But it's a bigger picture again. It's about the process. It's about being able to step back a bit and go, how do I want to be able to manage this environment? How do I want to be able to show this? Where's the visibility that I want in my network? And, and who do I give that visibility to? Because all of a sudden, what you what you really want to be able to do and this is this is a bit of a hobby horse of mine, and I won't go go onto this one too long. But 
you want to be able to get visibility of what the network's doing now and what you want the network to be doing um, in an ideal world. You want to build in automation, right, to be able to push that state in. You want to be able to check that it's doing what it should be doing. And then you want a bit of a feedback loop to say, right, actually, these are changes. You need to make these changes. Go make these changes. So you need a whole whole layer of, of more detailed understanding of what the network's actually trying to, to achieve rather than just monitoring. Monitoring is great because it shows you, right, that piece of kit is broken or that link is down and is causing you a problem or whatever. But what it doesn't undo is <clears throat> show you the big picture about your this application uses this path and this path is causing you problems because there's a there's a, an issue with your routing protocol here or there's a there's a there's a problem with your transceiver over there you know what you don't have that that end-to-end view so it's about for me getting that end-to-end view in one place that can be shared by everybody um so your security people use the same information as your project people are using as your purchasing people are using to make sure you've got everything under support contract Blah blah blah. And that's yeah? not done it's today. It's about that, that that whole total visibility for me. I don't think that's done in most cases today. I think everyone's kind of in a silo, like organizationally yeah. siloed off. Um, and we could go into that in in, in a, a longer conversation, I'm sure. So my one thing about sort of supportability here. Um, <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, my one thing about supportability here. You mentioned automation and whatnot, right? Like I look at um, troop multiplier. That's uh, a term I've been leveraging um, for automation, right? So automation, you you automate the tasks so that you can get those 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 staff members to mm-hmm. refocus on other items, um, mm-hmm. so that they can support the business, not just do O and M operations maintenance tasks like you know yeah. uh, patching and configuring and, and troubleshooting things. I mean, they still have to do those those tasks, right? Those are important, but where possible, we automate those things and we offload that work to the automation systems, and then we let those those senior people work on business specific tasks. You know that new business application or whatever. So, so this is this is the thing, isn't it? So, so again, the supportability underpins all of the other things that we've talked about yep. because what it gives you the opportunity to do is template configuration. It gives you the opportunity to um, uh, by by templating means that you don't have to worry about it over and over and you don't over have to again. Make, you're not you think about it once, things, right? Like you're you not. Think about, sorry. Yeah. You th- you th- no, no, no. You're right. You, so you think about it once. You build the templates, you make sure that those templates are pushed out and that they um, are doing what they need to do, tweak them if you need to and whatever, that's that's all fine, and then, and then make sure that it's all good. And let the network just look after itself. What you're then doing is, like you say, the more senior people are off thinking about, right, well, what, what new capabilities do I need to, to introduce based on what the business requirements are? And you're building new templates or you're changing the template based on that. So it's... <laughs> And and this comes into the intent-based networking thing that we talked about before, and, I, um, and we will talk about this another time. But essentially, what the designer's role or the architect's role becomes then is that thing of translating what the business intent is into the network intent and be able to say, right, okay, the business wants this thing to happen. So what I need to make sure is that, that my templates are updated to include this capability, that capability, exactly. or whatever in the network. And And so you need to understand the network stuff to build the templates you need to understand the business stuff in order to know what that means for the network. Well, there you go. You're bridging that gap again, right? As an architect, exactly. you're an architect, you're bridging that gap between technology and business. So, real quick, exactly. I'm gonna, I think that guy that kind of dives right into simplicity, right? And my yes. big, my big, my big comment on this, and then I'll let you go, and we're going to run out of time, right? So, sure. um, so, um, you know, as, as we're, we're we're senior people, we're CCIEs, we're CCDEs, right? Um, but if we come up with a solution that's a CCIE level solution and we're the only CCI level person on staff, well, now how can someone else support it, right? Because we just talked about supportability, but then yeah. also, is that simple, right? Can that actually be something that is simplified or not? Is it complex? And I think that comes to a whole conversation there is that I personally would want to make sure something is as simple as possible. And I'd be very clear that if it has to be a little bit more complex, I need to justify that complexity because yeah, it, yeah, because yeah. the more complex something is, the harder it's going to be to support it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and 
I think I think you've you've hit the nail on the head there, really. I mean, it, it, it's simplicity. It's 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 a really obvious thing to say. Yeah, that simplicity is is you know what 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 everybody wants in an environment, but it's understanding what that actually means, right? Because what so so there's a brilliant book, right? That that and I mentioned it in my blog post, the um, the navigating network complexity by um, two incredible guys, Russ White and Jeff Tansura. These guys are absolute legends. Um, but they nail it. They absolutely nail this this topic of complexity, right? Basically, what you're talking about is um, lots of um, lots of surfaces that of interaction between different processes and deep interaction between those processes. So, for example, network with lots of different routing protocols running and lots of redistribution between them. That sort of thing. That's complex. It's horrible. It's just going to make your life miserable trying to trying to understand that. So don't do it. You know, it's, it's <laughs> fundamentally that's what we're talking about here. What we're not talking about necessarily is just sticking an overlay over the top and and hiding it away. I was going to say, is that something that we could do? Is that still complex or is it simple now? Yeah, I mean, it's it's still complex, isn't it? In terms of actually the the operation, it's it's simple in terms of the the, the face of it of the of the actual configuration. But then you're relying on the software to do the thing that that uh, you know that that it's going to do the thing that it's published that it will be doing. So, so think about those aspects as well. Think about things like, um, oh, do you know my pet hate is VPC in, oh. the, in the Nexus switching. <laughs> I I loathe it because I've had so many problems with the with the the software issues around trying to to maintain two brains. Looking after one process, split right? brain, split brain is, but it's not. You know, it's it's such a fragile thing. You know, it, so many different things can cause problems with it. Now, I've picked on VPC, MLAG, whatever. Same else. concept, the, right? Whatever, you, know, whatever you want to call it. It's that point where you've got multiple inputs into one process and 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 trying to distribute that that input, simplify it. Keep it keep it simple. Let things do the things they're supposed to do. Um, final example, looking at the time, <laughs> um, <laughs> is is let routing protocols do their thing. Okay, but even better, use something like um, longest prefix match yeah, to do some great. of your failover. Right. I and I, and this is an example I brought up way back in in episode thirty six was that I've got um, a scenario where my backup. Uh, internet backup used the default route and my primary link used two slash ones zero slash one and one two eight slash one and and then just let the failover be the withdrawal of those two slash ones rather than have to reconverge your routing protocol around the thing keep it simple it's the kiss method right that's a super simple super simple um is Absolutely. that is that your Absolutely. like suggestion or recommendation to everyone was to keep things simple Totally. That, that, I mean, the whole thing, the whole thing boils down to that, right? Is, hey. is that know, your, know what it is your network's trying to do and keep it simple. Hey, Darren, I really appreciate it, man. This was great. I know it was on the fly and I know it was a last minute episode, so I do appreciate <laughs> awesome. it, buddy. Um, real quick, where can everyone find you on the interwebs? If they want to keep the conversation going, they want to ping you, they sure. want to talk to you, where can they find you? I'm I'm always kicking around on LinkedIn at the moment. That's probably the biggest place, but I'm also on Twitter, at um, Darren Forwell. Um and yeah, you, hey, look, you find me in both those places if you really desperately want to talk. So, and I'm yep. always good, to, always willing to talk. I'll have all of that in the show notes. Today's show notes will be zigbits.tech/67. Um, and we're gonna wrap up the show, buddy. So, um, thank you all for listening. This was a great show. I uh, got Darren on here for a quick little um, 45 minutes or so. Um, if you want to reach out to him, I'll put all his uh, information in the show notes. Again, today's show notes will be zigbits.tech/67. If you liked what we're doing today, you want to hear uh, Darren. Back on another show, let us know. You can email me at zig at zigbits.tech. You can also find me on all Twitter and LinkedIn and, and Facebook, all those things, zig underscore ziga or zig ziga or zigbits. Those are all out there. Um, and then until next time, bye for now.